I'll add my own greeting to that of Katie Lancaster. We're glad you're worshiping with us this morning as we're thinking about this shaft of life and Frank today. The right psalm for us to hear is Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called upon the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? The Lord is on my side to help me. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in mortals. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They blazed like a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my might. The Lord is my salvation. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you are feeling a little constricted and claustrophobic after 15 months at home under lockdown, you might feel a little bit better about your plight if you were to read The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. You probably already read it in middle school, but maybe you should read it again. You probably know that Anne Frank was born in 1929 in Frankfurt, but at the age of four, she fled Nazi persecution with her family and lived most of her life in Amsterdam. When Anne's older sister Margot was summoned to a cattle car for transport to a labor camp, the Frank family sought refuge in a clandestine apartment over Otto Frank, Anne's father, Otto Frank's warehouse. Otto Frank manufactured and distributed pectin, a key ingredient, as you know, in, for instance, strawberry jam. The original title for Anne's diary was Het Achterhaus in Dutch or The Secret Annex in English. And if you've been to Amsterdam, you've visited the Anne Frank house and have seen the revolving bookcase which concealed the entrance to the secret annex. It's right out of a spy novel. It is a spy novel. So Anne Frank went into hiding in the secret annex in July of 1942 and stayed there for 25 straight months until August of 1944 when they were arrested by the Gestapo and shipped to Auschwitz on cattle trains and then to Bergen-Velsen. Historians have spent the last 75 years trying to figure out what ordinary Dutch person betrayed the Frank family to the Gestapo. They haven't figured it out. The bounty on a Jew in 1944 was about $2. But everybody in Amsterdam was starving in 1944, and there were eight Jews hiding in the annex, so $16 buys a lot of vegetables. And it's possible, of course, that nobody betrayed the Franks to the Gestapo. They just stumbled on the family by accident. 
So Anne died at Bergen-Velsen in a typhus epidemic that killed 17,000 other prisoners at the age of 15. This was in February of 1945, about eight weeks before His Majesty's armed forces liberated the camp at Bergen-Belsen. Anne's older sister Margot died with her of typhus at Bergen-Belsen and her mother starved to death at Auschwitz. Anne's father Otto was the only Frank to survive the war. Now, Otto Frank's secretary in the warehouse, Mief Gies, who'd spent the last 25 months delivering groceries and news and encouragement to the Frank family at great risk of her life, returned to the empty annex after the Gestapo left, and she found page after page covered with Anne's handwriting littered across the floor of the annex. She didn't know what these pages were, but she gathered them up and stacked them together and put them in a desk drawer to return them to Anne when Anne came back to Amsterdam. And when she couldn't return them to Anne, she gave them to Otto Frank, who eventually published one of the most important books of the 20th century. When Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers, he's really saying, look for someone like me, please. Now, why do we preach these sermons about these shafts of light in the Malat Chapel? And why do we read books like Letter from Birmingham Jail or One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisevich or Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Letters and Papers from Prison or Anne Frank's Diary? Why do we read these books? It's because they sharpen our virtue. Yes, they make us better citizens and neighbors. Because with these books, it is impossible to emerge at the end unchanged. Because these books give us such a stark contrast between the virtuous and the vile. The contrast couldn't be any starker. Now the lives of Mifgis and the other helpers are just lit up with kindness and courage, while the lives of the Nazis just seethe with hideous malice. You know what struck me while I was reading Anne Frank's diary? It was the monomaniacal focus of the Nazis on what they referred to as the Jewish problem. The Jewish problem, which was not just evil, it was stupid. So the Franks go into hiding July 1942. They emerge 25 months later, August 1944. What's happening all around Amsterdam during that time frame? What's happening is that the German Empire is crumbling before the eyes of the entire world. The Russians crush the Germans at Stalingrad. Eisenhower and Montgomery defeat Rommel in North Africa. The Allies invade first Italy and then France on D-Day, June 6, 1944, about eight weeks before the Gestapo arrests the Franks. B-17s are mercilessly bombing German cities. Now, it's true, when the Franks go into hiding, VE Day is still almost three years away. But this might be the beginning of the end. Or, as Churchill put it, this is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end. This might be the end of the beginning. <laughs> Churchill said that in November of 1942. Now, didn't the Germans have more pressing problems to deal with than the Jews? 
And yet they spend all their time and energy transporting the Jews across the length and breadth of Holland, Germany, and Poland. Now this is what happens when we are blinded and crippled by our pinched, petty, parochial, parsimonious prejudices. If the Germans had welcomed all those Jewish luminaries who fled the country in the 1930s, if the Germans had welcomed that genius and put it to use, they might have won the war. Think of all the Germans who fled. Albert Einstein, Max Born, Enrico Fermi, Sigmund Freud, Arnold Schoenberg, Mark Chagall, Henry Kissinger. Psalm 18, Psalm 118 says, Out of my distress I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. In other words, out of my distress I called to the Lord from my cramped, constricted confinement, and the Lord lifted me up and out of that and into a wide, spacious, expansive horizon. And God's done just that for the likes of you and me. We call to the Lord out of our distress, and God put us in a broad place. God's given us these three almost miraculous vaccines, and here we are together. Well, you're not. You're at Pajama Church. But tomorrow, all of us will be together. And you can wear a mask if you want to, but you don't have to. Sadly, God never delivered Anne Frank out of her narrow, constricted hiding place into a broad expanse of freedom, but there's still hope for the likes of you and me. And so today we'll pray that God will deliver us from the narrow place of our own unworthy enmities and into the broad place of generous welcome, gracious hospitality, and wide friendships. So on Memorial Day, we will remember Anne Frank and say, never again. On Memorial Day weekend, we will remember what happened in Tulsa 100 years ago this weekend and say, never again. Never again for Jewish Americans. Never again for African Americans. Never again for Asian Americans. Never again for Muslim Americans. Never again. Anne Frank was just an ordinary teenager. In her diary, she's wrestling with all the typical struggles of adolescence. She argues with her parents. She falls in love for the first time with the young man with whom she shares the secret annex. She falls in love with all the attendant raptures and misadventures. Just an ordinary teenager. Yet one writer said, this single voice speaks for six million And this voice is not the voice of a poet or a sage, but of an ordinary little girl. Common consensus has it that the voice of this ordinary little girl was a sharper indictment of Nazism than all the evidence gathered at Nuremberg put together. This is the book that caused German Christians to reflect on what happened during the 1940s to European Jewry. Nelson Mandela read Anne's diary when he was imprisoned on Robben Island and he compared her witness to the Holocaust with his own war against apartheid. And he said, because these beliefs are patently false and because they were and always will be challenged by the likes of Anne Frank, 
They are bound to fail. Yes, they are bound to fail. Anne Frank was an ordinary teenager and Mies was an ordinary Dutch housewife and secretary, but she did what she could. She did what God asked for her. And today, she she is on the avenue of the righteous among the nations at Yad Vashem in 1997. Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands knighted her. Mieskeep is a knight in the order of Orange Nassau. And there is even a minor asteroid floating between Mars and Jupiter that is named for Meep Geese. Asteroid 99949 Meep Geese. <laughs> even in outer space, she catches and reflects the light of the sun and shines. And of course, she was embarrassed by all this adulation. She refused to think of herself as a hero. She thought hero was too lofty a status, that that would intimidate people, that people would think, I can't be a hero. And so she just thought of herself as an ordinary Dutch secretary who did what she, said, what she could. She said, I stand in a long, long line of good Dutch people who did what they had to do and more, much, much more, during those dark and terrible years, so many years ago, but always like yesterday in the heart of those of us who bore witness. So, ordinary people, the likes of you and me, these books, they present before us a stark and urgent choice. On the one hand, the broad, expansive, spacious horizon of gentle mercy, unflinching courage, and sweeping, inclusive hospitality. And on the other, the pinched and narrow space of unseemly hostilities. There's the choice. Tell me. Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What is it you plan to do? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.